the soil of intimacy in your life is masculine and feminine coming together as one. This has been this way even before the fall. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast that focuses on coaching you in the growth of your faith. We live in a chaotic world. Life is much harder than people realize, and there is tragedy around every corner. Only those who are prepared, those who know who they are, can overcome, can rise above the tragedy in life and live in joy. That is why fluff is not enough. We are challenging everyone to take time to think about the point and purpose of your life. Then you will know what you believe and why you believe it. This leads to a stronger faith, and this is how you find peace, hope, and love in this world. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the salty pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Welcome, everybody. It's good to be with you today. We've been on this journey, you know. We've been digging into some of the things that the Bible has to teach directly uh, for women. And I'd just like to throw out a little bit of a reminder out there that I was uh, requested numerous times over the years to... To do this, I felt, well, what we'll do is we'll bring in a whole bunch of other people that can, you know, speak into it. And a lot of the women uh, that I really value their opinion, they were like, well, we'd like to know what you think about it mm. and what, what you understand from the scriptures. Because you have a, a depth of, of wisdom from history, philosophy, the ancient culture, and the scriptures themselves. So we kind of would like that take on it. And so that's why I'm doing it. And it has been illuminating to say the least. <laughs> so there, there's one woman who, uh, she's older than me. She's quite the Bible scholar. Yes. She's quite the Bible scholar. I'm very impressed with her. And she sent me an email after I preached last Sunday, because uh, I preached on Genesis chapter three, which is where the curse is. And we yes. talked about that, you know, in the prior week. And she said something to me that I thought was, was really wonderful. She said to me, when you, as soon as you said, we're going to go to Genesis chapter three, she said, my hackles got up and you had a very contentious listener in the audience at that point. It's, she says, I, I've heard so many teachings on this throughout the year. She said a gazillion, right? Which I think that is slight hyperbole. <laughs> Probably but, just a little bit. But nonetheless, she said, I've heard it, and I've, I've just never heard it done properly, you know. And then she goes, I have to say, and this is what she said to me she, in the email. She said, I have to say that was the best handling and teaching of that passage of Scripture that I have ever heard, and I have heard quite a few. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm so blessed by your uh, comments. And from her, that was even more valuable to me because I really respect her opinion and everything. And so it, that was uh, just proof to everybody is, is two guys wading into the deep end of the pool on women. Right. We're learning some things ourselves. And yeah. I'm glad that so far people in general have said, wow, that's been really insightful and helpful. Absolutely. And we are focusing on the third part of the life fulfillment equation this week. Uh, Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 that if we know him, which is, is following him, plus if we know ourselves, which, which parts we should deny, plus the world where we choose our sacrifice, you will have a saved life. And according to Jesus, saved life is a, a satisfied soul. It leads to a satisfied soul. Yeah. It's not just you're not just alive but you're thriving you have yeah. a satisfied soul a healed soul yeah. a restored soul yes. a soul that yes. overflows with wellspring of yes. life so jesus uses this phrase of pick up your cross daily and follow me you describe this as choosing your sacrifice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, on tuesday we discovered what the bible says the world is trying to do to us and then applied it particularly to women so what is the sacrifice the choice 
that women must make in order for them to discover life fulfillment? Well, I'd really like to challenge all women to take a deep dive on knowing the world. Uh, I'm not asking you to be friends with the world. Uh, What I'm saying is, do you really know the world? Understand what the world is trying to do to you and how the world is using your own desires. This is why the other component, know yourself Mm. and what makes you tick, is so important. Know how the world is using your desires and some of those flaws, your shortcomings, to steal from you the abundant life that Jesus is trying to build within you. This overt kingdom living each and every day, which is the wellspring of life. Now, if you don't understand yourself, if you don't know yourself, then you don't know how the world can manipulate you, is manipulating you, and using your own uh, desires against you. So you really want to understand the world and its agenda. Mm. So at its core, that's something I'd like to point out. At its core, society has a version of you that does not benefit you. It benefits itself. Right. It doesn't want you to be a free, sovereign, moral individual standing in their own liberty. Governments and societies tend to not like that. They always tend towards control. Right. right. And always end up becoming abusive. So let me ask you a couple questions that 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 would be a governmental thing. But what about just society at large? Okay. Right. So let me ask you some questions, ladies. Number one, does society benefit when women are single, childless and working? Yes, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just look at the growth in tax revenue and consumer spending in America when in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, women entered into the workforce in mass, right? And so the tax revenue, the consumer market has increased exponentially. So from an economic standpoint and from a tax and government standpoint, yes, it's very good for them, right? right. It's better if they're not, if they don't have children or lots of children. Because then what happens is when you have lots of children, what do they stress? The public education system, all of the other systems that are in place, right? Right. And the government has to pay for those. So so the society benefits, ladies, if you are single, childless, and working. So my next question is, does it benefit you as a woman? I would say (laughs) no, not long term. I don't think. Nope, not at all. I don't think it's good for you. You are not. Women are not wired for that. Neither are men. But human beings are not wired for that. Next question. Does society benefit when it removes the differences between males and females, when there are no gender distinctions or gender roles? I think society benefits greatly. Okay? Case in point, we've talked about this before. In 2012, there was one gender clinic in the United States of America. Today, just 10, 12 years later, there are over 800. Why? What? How could you develop 800? hundred new clinics, right? Is that because there was this, this group of people that were so ignored that nobody knew about, or is it because it makes a huge amount of money for the medical industry? And what it does is it makes a boatload of money. Now that doesn't mean that gender dysphoria isn't an issue and needs to be treated, but isn't it a little suspect when 
gigantic pharmaceutical and hospital corporations open these clinics and are making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of it. I read a report from one gal who uh, detransitioned from being a boy and she is now suing mm. the, the hospital that uh, transitioned her as a teenager at 15. She's suing them because she's saying now she has to be on a regiment of pharmaceuticals that costs over a hundred thousand dollars a year oh my gosh i'm like that is unbelievable so does society benefit when it removes the differences between males and females absolutely does it benefit you as a female as an individual no it doesn't next question does society benefit you when it tells women to be sexually expressive, to use sex to get what they want, dress how they want, act how they want. The most important thing about you is your sexual attractiveness. Is that, a, is that benefit you? Yeah. But does it, benef does it benefit society? Yeah. But does it benefit you? Like, for instance, if a man acts the way you act in a situation, isn't that construed as harassment and abuse? You see, women can be sexually expressive and talk about anything sexually anywhere. But if a guy does that, then that's harassment. So benefits society, but it doesn't benefit you because when that's the case and there's a massive double standard like that, it makes building relationships with other people, particularly if you're single and you want to date, extremely complicated and difficult, mm. right? And men aren't going to want to engage or commit or take responsibility because they can be excoriated by society by this a simple accusation okay so it doesn't benefit you as a individual next question does society benefit uh or women in general benefit when it says your career is the most important thing about you and will give you the most joy in life society definitely benefits society definitely benefits we I We've mean, established that. Yeah. But does is that good for a woman? No. No, because she's not. That's not the sum total of who she is. Exactly. You know, uh, does society benefit uh, or women benefit when it tells women they should do everything, be everything. They should not only have children, nurture their children, be a great mom, but they should have a great career, you know, and they should run the house. and They should do everything. Does society benefit from that or... Does individual women benefit from that? Individual women definitely do not benefit from they that. They do not. That pressure is overwhelming. Does society benefit or women benefit when women are told there is a male patriarchy that is holding women back? All their problems are because of men, and women need men like a fish needs a bicycle. I don't believe that is helpful to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the point is that society is pushing a version of you that does not benefit you. It benefits itself. Mm. Yeah, I think the understanding and really thinking through what society is telling you are the most important things about you and then trying to identify who's benefiting in this process yeah. is super key because... If it's causing you all of this pain and strife and it is causing women as a whole pain and strife, then maybe we should look at it and go, maybe this isn't actually what's best for me. Right. That there's another angle being played that's for the world or for somebody's love of money. Yes. Yeah. Um, since society is really pushing these narratives on women, how do you, women avoid being influenced by them? I think is, is kind of my next question because it's like, 
all of these things are things we've heard before, right? Like these mm-hmm. are, this is the prominent narrative that society is telling all of the women here at our church here that are listening to the podcast across the world, that these are the ways to be happy, to have a fulfilled life. The only way to be of value in society is to mm-hmm. do all of these things. How are they supposed to avoid being influenced when the whole world is screaming at them that this is the only way to do it? Remember, we listened to that video on Tuesday of that gal who said that society is programming, you know, women and reinforces women to be single. Yeah. You know, we, we listened to that just on Tuesday. And so the bottom line is if you're willing to know yourself, then you will admit that females in general are more agreeable. Is that you want to agree, Right. Well, therefore, you need to have a higher calling, a higher mission. You want to agree with something that is higher than what society is offering, right? You, if you're more agreeable and, you're more, and you want to conform, you're, no, you're more open to conforming to something, pick the right thing to conform to, right? right? That's how you navigate this. So if you want to counter the messaging and pressures of the world to conform uh, you to its version, then immerse yourself in the values and the morals of God's version of who you are. Try to reflect the, the morals and values of a different time. Society can only take from you what you allow it to take from you. So be very intentional about the values and morals in the uh, version of you that you want to conform to because you have much more natural agreeableness to do that. Sometimes guys, the masculine, are not. They're just rebels without a cause. Sometimes they have to be dragged kicking and screaming to it, right? But women want that in some ways. It's a part of their feminine makeup, and so pick the right one, and you will find. Like, for instance, uh, let's kind of play this out specifically. The most uh, destructive values in society today for women are, these are the three biggest ones. The first one is the values of the sexual revolution, okay? And the values of the sexual revolution are there is no difference between how males and females view sex. That's their value. Therefore, casual sex won't hurt you. And the reluctance to participate in casual sex is due to social conditioning rather than rooted in your biology and in your soul. Okay. Hookup culture is a good thing. Now, what all research has pointed to is that this is utterly and completely false is that guys can do that. They can enter into a casual sex relationship with a girl and will do that with multiple women. Women though, always expect more from the casual sex, right? They, they see it as a path to a relationship in many ways. And so the sexual revolution values are not only false, but they're very destructive. And so it takes away the unique beauty and wonder of sexual intimacy. Now, that doesn't mean if you've, ha- you've got sexual mistakes in your past, you need to carry all the shame and guilt with you. That's not the point at all. The point is, is to be aware of what society is pushing and how it undermines you. The second most destructive societal message for women is second and third wave feminism. And it's important to differentiate between women's suffrage, which is considered first wave, and then second and third wave. Because second and third wave 
uh, feminist ideology is extremely dangerous to women and extremely dangerous to the feminine soul of a woman. It's not healthy. It's against their nature as females. And then the last one, since we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to get through these three, is that the gender ideology that's coming out right now, the, the statement that trans women are women, that's not true. That's false. And yet our society is really pushing that hardcore, right? Now, when you understand your own heart's desire as a female and then how society is trying to get you to satisfy these heart's desires is when you can begin the path of seeing your soul restored and your life being filled. It's, all, it's not that you don't have desires, but don't trust society to tell you how to fulfill them. Yeah, I think the big biggest thing is just this idea of the world telling you that it will fix something that's wrong with you and ultimately you constantly realizing it's not working but then continuing to go back to that well, right? Yeah. Like I think that's yep. the the thing that we have to start identifying in ourselves whether we're male or female is when society says I have the solution that's going to make you feel better but the solution always has another step or another thing that requires it to get there. Mhm and you never feel any better along the way, I feel like you should probably go, am I getting strung along by something that doesn't actually care about me? Right. And I think that's where we have to really start taking some of these values that society has pushed on women and going, does this actually benefit me? Is this actually leading to more happiness? Or am I being sold a false bill of goods that's mm -hmm. only benefiting them? And I think really diving into these things and looking at what you're being told on a daily basis from the world and how it's affecting you long-term and deep in your soul is really going to help mm -hmm. you make a better decision because mm -hmm. yes, there are plenty of things within casual sex and things that at the moment feel like, yes, this is great. This is exactly what I need. And then you go back and you're like, I'm not any happier. Like right. the endorphins wear off the, whatever you've been told Correct. wears off. The money doesn't shine as bright as it used to. And then you go, well, is this really, well, no, you just need this next thing. Yeah. As long as you, you need the next, the next thing, thing. As long as you yeah. get the next thing, that's when the real happiness comes. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, well, you're just getting strung along. And I think we have really fallen into the trap of just constantly looking for the next thing and never going, well, none of the other things made me happy. Maybe <laughs> I'm going about this the wrong way. Yeah. You use the analogy of a broken radar sometimes when it comes to people dating and they're always going after the wrong uh, yeah. person or Maybe my radar type. needs to be Maybe calibrated. Maybe my radar needs to be calibrated if I'm constantly pursuing these things and none of them are leading to everlasting happiness. Maybe <laughs> I need right. to go, hmm. hmm. So Maybe Taylor Swift is right. You know, hmm, I'm the problem. It's yes. me. <laughs> so let's get specific. What have you seen in your 38 years of helping men and women navigate the influences of the world on their lives? I think two things. First, uh, is sexual experience and experiences. I think that uh, it's really important to understand how uh, society wants women to have multiple partners and more partners. And the ideology that is propagated in society is that multiple partners for women is not a problem. And yet now all this research is coming out saying, yeah, it's a real problem. Right. Because the biggest problem is this, is that Women, uh, uh, when they are sexually active with a partner, what happens is when you have sex or sexual intimacy, 
your brain releases a hormone, oxytocin, that actually is the bonding hormone. It right. bonds you to that person. So the problem is, is every time you have a different partner, that it's a little bit less. Right. So research is now pointing, it's not a hard number, but it's getting pretty close, is that once a woman's body count goes, and I'm saying this for all young single women that are in high school and college or young adults, is that, is that what happens is that once it gets past five, then your potential for long-term intimate bonding on an emotional level has decreased by over 80 to 85%. Mm. So now can that be countered? Yeah, absolutely. Can God redeem anything? Absolutely. But the, the key though is to understand that, that what society is saying and what's actually true are dramatically different. Absolutely. There's a gas, a, a chasm there, a giant gap. Okay. Now, another thing that society does is it, you know, talks about how women should view money. Okay. And so what's interesting is this, I kind of give you a little context for how this plays out and how you need to avoid the societal messages. So I know a married woman, three kids, she works about, you know, some, she, she's worked her whole married life. She works about three quarter time, I guess you could say now. Uh, uh, one time uh, we were talking and she said to me, uh, how we, we manage our money with three separate bank accounts. And so I asked, well, how do you determine what to share and what not to share? And she just quipped, she says, well, that's easy. Uh, my money is my money. Our money is my money and his money is my money. <laughs> and so I thought, hmm, this is a common belief the world tells women and it resonates with women. A lot of women feel this way. Why? That's my question. Well, research, when you dig into it, points out or shows that men make money in order to share their money, right? Mm. Oftentimes, men will postpone marriage for one simple reason. They're not financially secure enough. Mm. They don't feel they're financially able to, so they want to they want to pay off some debts. They want to make more money. They want their business to do better. They'll postpone because men are motivated. It's in their nature. We can go back to the curse, and, but just listen to some of my other messages and series on men to dig into this. But men are at their core, very nature providers. So they go out and they gather resources to provide. And that's what brings them great identity and value and a sense of, man, I am a man. I'm not just supporting myself, but I'm supporting my wife. I'm supporting my children. And so that's, that's very important to the identity of a, a man. So research shows that there are over 200 billionaires in the world. Okay. Guess what? Over 75% of them are married to their high school or college sweetheart. Hmm. And when you dig into it, what you realize, men discover their math, masculine ethos to provide, and then a feminine wife understands that. Most of those billionaires would say, I wouldn't be a billionaire here today if it wasn't for my wife, right? Because she believed in me. There's, there's this old joke where this guy uh, was a really wealthy guy, and he was driving home from a dinner party with his wife, and they stopped to get gas, and it was in the town she grew up in. 
And so the guy runs out, fills up their tank, and then they're driving home. And he said, hey, I noticed you talking to that guy when I was inside, you know, picking up some uh, drinks or coffee. And she goes, yeah, he was a guy that I dated in high school, you know, 40 years ago. And he goes, well, I bet you're glad you married me instead of him. And she immediately quips says, well, actually, if I married him, he'd be the billionaire today. <laughs> <laughs> but that's feminine energy. Right. See, it understands that. And it knows how to channel and bring that out of a man. On the other hand, research shows that women, when they go to make money, they do it in order to be independent of men. Okay? Therefore, women in general don't share their money. Case in point, this is a real-life situation. I know a woman, she's been married over 25 years. She's absolutely miserable. She's super unhappy. She's unhappy with her marriage. Uh, she's unhappy with her life. She doesn't like herself. She's depressed. She has a lot of anxiety that she deals with on a daily basis. She goes on medication, you know, and then tries to get off, and it's just back and forth, back and forth. And what is so interesting is this, is that when she was dating her husband 25 years ago, he was just starting out in business, right? He was just starting out. He didn't have a lot. She, she was around 30 and he was probably in his early 30s. And his business, you know, he was doing okay, but his business hadn't, uh, done anything great yet. And when they got married, she had prior to being getting married, she'd say $50,000. And she took this $50,000, right? This That's was her amazing. thing that brought security. <laughs> yeah. You know, she'd been working full time for eight or nine years and she was a public servant, you know, kind of a thing. So it was real regular and consistent. And she lived very frugally and saved all this money. When they got married and through her entire marriage to her husband, she's always kept that money solely in her possession. And when they got married, she said, I'm keeping this for myself. And his response at the time was, well, I don't care. I, I'm going to go make tons of money. Right. You know, I'm going to be successful and I'm going to take care of you. And you're never even going to need that. Right. So that's what happened. And but the truth is this. She kept it as a way to hedge her bet. So she entered into an intimate relationship, the one where you're supposed to become completely one with another person. And that's God's design with a $50,000 hedge my bet. So she had 50,000 fears. And I don't know about you, I have trouble overcoming one or two fears. Yeah. 50,000 of them is a tough nut to crack. As a person uh, who's spiritually mature, I know there'll be women listening to this podcast who are spiritually mature and who will say to themselves, I know myself and I know the world are going to know that the reason she's so unhappy is because she sees no connection between this decision early in her marriage and her unhappiness. She doesn't see the connection. But those who know themselves and know the world, they would see her decision as the source of her misery because it comes from her soul. Because at its core, she violated the biblical teaching of becoming one with her husband. She's never fully given herself to him completely. And therefore, she is unhappy because she doesn't know why she doesn't have a deeper love and trust of her husband. You see how this works Yeah, is because what the world is saying is that you got And it all goes down to that core issue. Men go make money to share it. Women 
tend to make money to be independent of men and hedge their bets against men. So their entire relationship is based on fear. And she wonders why she's so miserable. So if the world is pushing women to always be independent, even when they're married, what is the consequence of this? Okay, that's a good question. I guess I would boil it down to this, and that is the issue is the masculine and feminine. And I know people throw around these terms today. It's really, uh, you know, trendy or whatever, but I call it ethos. Other people call it energy or essence, and I, I just call it an ethos. It's about the image of God in you. They are designed to work in tandem together, right? They're designed to fully trust and fully engage with one another. And when they do, guess what happens? Intimacy sprouts. Okay. So the soil of intimacy in your life is masculine and feminine coming together as one. This has been this way even before the fall. What does it say in Genesis chapter 2? Before the fall in chapter 3, it says God created woman, right? And it says this is why a man will leave his family of origin. The woman will leave her family of origin. And what do they do? They create a new family, family. right? Yeah. And so that's what's so significant. Now, intimacy is a sense of completeness. Intimacy is a sense of wholeness. Intimacy is about safety, security, strength. There's a protection. And the world is seeking to undermine this in women every single day. I think the scariest thing for a woman is to fall in love and give herself completely to a man. I think the main reason why is because women know men are flawed. They are sinful human beings. They have every reason to, to distrust the intentions, motivations of a man. I think I've only met five women in my entire life who have not been betrayed at some level uh, or disappointed by a man at some level. So I do get that, right? I mean, I've met five in my entire life of the thousands of women I've met. So it's pretty common. But let me ask you this question. If that's true, isn't this the same issue that people have with God? People keep God at arm's length because they believe, how can I give myself to a God who allows pain and suffering in the world? H how can I completely trust and abandon myself and surrender to a God that lets kids get cancer? And how can I surrender and submit to a God that will allow my heart to be broken by another person or another man? Now, this doesn't mean that God is flawed or makes mistakes. But here's God who's perfect in his holiness, and we have trust issues with him. Right. Okay. So what does that tell you? Trust issues have more to do with me. Right. Right. Than with God. And so this is the world speaking to you in your relationship to God. And so... That's what you have to deal with as a woman to avert the influence of these societal messages and pressures. Even when we don't know completely, even when we're not sure, we must surrender. You can't sort of be raised from the dead in your relationship with God, right? You, it says you've been brought from death to life. The old, you know, the old is dead. The new has come. You're a new creation. You've been born all over again, right? Right. So you can't be sort of born and you can't be sort of alive. Otherwise, you're just like a zombie. You know what right. I'm saying? You have base desires and you're moving and walking around. But all you want to do is eat other people. Yeah. There's really no life there. Right. And so what's happening is we want full rebirth. And so I, I think you have to really walk in the fullness of the masculine and feminine understanding and how God designed those to partner together. If 
you want to experience true intimacy, not just with your husband, but most importantly, in your soul, with God. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for some practicality and application today, um, understanding really what it means to um, deny yourself and to deny the world of what it's trying to convince you of so that you can live a full, complete, and fulfilled mm. life with him. We thank you guys for listening. Make sure you join us on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Otherwise, we'll see you next Tuesday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings. Blessings.